0: Welcome to More Than Your Number, a podcast on the Enneagram and personal growth. I'm Teresa McBean, Enneagram practitioner, pastor, wife of over four decades to the same patient and long suffering husband, mom to three and Mimi to two practically perfect grandchildren. I am so glad you have joined me for this podcast focused on using the Enneagram as it was intended, as a map for personal growth. Uh, welcome to the podcast. This is our premiere podcast called More Than Your Number. And gosh, Elena, uh, I'm going to introduce everybody to you in a second. But first, I want to sort of say the f- most important thing. Um, As a way of appreciation, you inspired me to start this podcast because of uh, your experiences as a Ukrainian woman moving out of Ukraine while they're on a visit, um, although you live in California now, and all the decisions you had to make and how your Enneagram type impacted your decisions and also gave you real awareness of even what was going on with you during that incredibly stressful time. And so I wanted to start this podcast because I feel like we just have to have this conversation about what it is like to be Ukrainian, what it is like to be making choices as a as a Ukrainian woman who had her family, part of them still in Ukraine, in um, a very active part where the war is going on. And then also you had your son and your husband back in California. And I just can't, could not then and cannot now imagine all the choices you had to make. So I really appreciate you having this conversation with me. And of course, we're doing it through the lens of the Enneagram. Um, and I'm gonna give folks uh, more information. There's gonna be more information on on the podcast about things that uh, Yelena is involved in and how we can be helpful to the uh, citizens of Ukraine. But first, I want to start out talking to you about what it was like for you to figure out what your Enneagram type was. Tell us what your type is and subtype and how you
1: figured all that out. Right. So um, I discovered my Enneagram number fairly recently. Um, It's eight um, because I was involved in uh, different projects with Teresa. Um, Teresa did my test. Um, I did it kind of online first when I've heard about Enneagram um, and um, it ended up to be eight. When we got together, she confirmed that I'm eight. And um, I've always been kind of very felt that I was unstoppable, very energetic, strategic, and sometimes angry and forceful. Um, But I also never felt that my anger was real. It's more like a jolt of energy that propelled me forward. What bothered me um, that others did not see it that way. Um, I feel like I was on the right track thinking I'm just that kind of person. But when I tried to figure out why um, I thought maybe, you know, I'm that kind of person because of my upbringing, because I don't know I'm cultural differences, something else. So when I finally at age of 51 52 started to look into Enneagram and kind of discovered this number, this, this typology, um, I was kind of like. Like a, a, something new opened up for me. I, I suddenly was able to say, wow, this is why. It's not like my mom did something, or, you know, I went to that university, or I immigrated that made me who I am. I just what I am. And I see this characteristic, and I saw these characteristics in me before. Um, some of them are really liked as an aide, I even learned that I really <laughs> like myself, but other people might not, <laughs> they might not understand that forceful approach to everything this the nuclear power that some people just like step away from me. Um, especially um, that like that nuclear power didn't work for me in my personal relationship because obviously that's that's a little bit harder that probably needs a little bit more um finesse than than power and force yeah um so that discovery literally changed my life it 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 allowed me to step back and think am i doing this consciously or is just some sort of um force, um, like the, the type who I am is making me do these things. Um, so that's that's kind of my discovery of um, Enneagram overall in discovery of who I am. Um, it didn't change still um, a lot in me, but it allowed me to look and be an observer of this person that is doing something or making decisions and very often with eight, we know that there is a um, need to do something. So there is no pause; it's just something happened. I need to do something, and I'm just doing it. So sometimes when you have these um, like action steps, it's great um, when you're working on a project. But if you're constantly moving and making you anxious based only on your gut um, feeling. Sometimes it's not the best outcome for everybody, right, so
0: I think that you've hit on in such a beautiful way um so many of the characteristics of what it means to be eight highly energetic. they are in the body center, so they're very instinctual in their movements, they're very action oriented um, they're three centers of intelligence: the head, the heart, and the gut or body, and you are all gut right in there in that um body triad and you go to action very quickly and um, you know uh, that is really great under certain circumstances in a little bit we're going to talk about why in some ways it was the greatest thing that ever could have happened to you uh, in terms of uh, some choices you've had to make you know um what they say about eights is that although many of us, I'm a six so when I read The typology of a six, I burst out into tears. I was so upset that I was a six. But eights generally like their type. How about you? Do you like being an eight?
1: I do. (laughs) I do. I I. When we, when we were talking and then I end up to be eight, I felt like, wow, everybody should, should want to be like me. Yes. I thought kind of so, like a little bit um, kind of self-centered view, but I truly thought, wow, what's wrong with this? Like, this is great. Right. We can have things done. We can go into fight. We can achieve things. Why not? Why, why not everybody wants to be
0: eight? Right. And you know, the other thing is that um, in terms of stereotypings, which are not true, so often on the Enneagram, they'll say, well, a lot of women are twos and a lot of men are eights. Have you found uh, that being an eight as a female might be more challenging
1: than if you were a male? I think so, because that straightforward approach, that forcefulness sometimes is taken um as a leadership on a man's side but on a woman's side you know people still want to see women very nice and polite and not getting angry which eight would very easily get angry so um but i've always felt very comfortable within this male energy no matter what. Um, and I remember when I just started to work in tech, a lot of women were like cheering, like, Oh wow, women in tech. And I was like, that comes natural kind of, I, I'm not making an effort to be a woman in tech. I'm just there. Right. Um, to I, have, like, I uh, like
0: the use of the word energy because the primary emotional resonance for the body center is anger but eights often tell me that they don't feel angry that they just feel a lot of energy and you've said that you agree right that that is true yeah um another thing about your anger um you express it and then it's gone is that is that also true
1: that's that's exactly true um my husband really had really hard time with that because it's literally like a jolt of energy and i'm like this should be this way and then two minutes later, I'm just off in, in my normal pace. And he's like all shaken up by this force that he's like, "Wow, well, keep it away from me. This is intruding my boundaries, my energetic boundaries. You're draining me.
0: Right. Because am I right or do we
1: hypothesize that your husband might be a
0: type five? is that right yes
1: well he took the self-test and he ended up to be five and just by what i've learned from you uh, he seems to be very much five
0: so they're very boundaryed and they're afraid that other people are going to take energy from them what are eights afraid of mm. <laughs> i wish everyone could see your face right now
1: you're like afraid <laughs> Afraid. yeah um I've never been afraid of anything. Um, I've never been afraid of anything. Um, I feel like I'm afraid to hurt other people sometimes. okay. I have my son who's I think um, four mm-hmm. and I think he's um sexual four mm-hmm. and I feel like it's been very difficult for him to grow up with mother like me. Um, who's like a doer, very quick to making decisions, um, uh, forceful, controlling, um, even though I don't think that I'm forceful and controlling, I'm thinking that I'm helpful. I'm giving you the path forward. I've given you everything I can give you from my point of view. So I think like what I'm afraid of is to hurt other people with unknowingly. Yeah. So your son is in, The heart center and has
0: deep emotional resonance and your husband's in the head center so he's very heady um and the three of you are living in the house together trying to figure out um, where to come with your common ground i heard you say that you've never been afraid of anything and knowing you i totally believe it what do you hate
1: well, I actually don't hate much. Like one friend told me um, just a few years ago, um, because we were like, I, I'm doing hiking um, groups for other people. And um, she told me, how are you gonna do a hiking group? You don't like weak people. Hmm. And probably when I was young, probably you could see it in me more. Um, like I would label people weak, uh, like people who cannot get the, you know, Um, thoughts together or their their act together. Um, Obviously, there is a long road for me and and I wish I would know what I know today when I was 20 and 30. I could avoid the mistake that I made. But I feel like yes, that is true for a long time. I kind of didn't like weak people, whatever I label a weak person, as I like the underdog.
0: Let me see if I can reframe it and see if you agree with this. You appreciate and fight for the underdog, the marginalized, and the people that are not being treated justly, which we're going to really get into that conversation about Ukraine in a minute. But what you don't like is people you feel are not exerting force and energy in the world. And when that happens and they prove to you that they cannot step up to the plate... And go toe to toe with you? Do they? Do you kind of?
1: Do they kind of become invisible to you? Yes, most of the time, mm-hmm. I kind of just let them live their lives. But I know that I cannot neither work with these people, um, nor do something, um, let's say, climb a mountain. Like for me, it's very clear that this is not a person that I will be going um, climbing a mountain. So that's why in the the past years, I'm trying to change. Like I forcefully trying to find routes and take people to uh, explore California trails that are not very, very challenging, but I want them to start liking it. Even though for me, I need to do my, my climb separate from them. But I feel like now, now I'm able to observe these things before other people would tell me these things about me. Mm-hmm. And now I'm able to step away and observe that, that that's what I'm doing. That's how I'm feeling. um And then decide if, if this is the feeling that I want to go with. Ah, that's brilliant.
0: You know, um, some people think of the Enneagram as just a way to have, you know, um, talks at uh, cocktail parties you know like oh you're such a three or oh boy that is such a seven thing to do but what you're talking about is really describing what i think the enneagram is for which is it is a map of human development a very ancient and old map of human development and so that means it is a map for personal growth should you take it and what you're describing is as you've matured and a lot of people think enneagram work is second half of life work but you know, when we're younger, we're forming our, our personality. is kind of gelling, and then we can let it go um, as we get older because what we're doing at that point is kind of growing beyond personality into personhood. And I hear you saying that your willingness to observe yourself um, and knowing that observing yourself is a good skill to have have come together and you don't need somebody to point out your blind spots as much anymore you're exactly.
1: becoming aware of them is that true exactly it's exactly it's exactly true and it it is helping me um to kind of build more meaning, meaningful relationship with friends and family ah that's lovely it, it, too Yeah. So if before it was very clear to me that if the person disagrees with me, I can't get them to understand and get them on my side. That person became invisible to me, like you said. So now um, I'm very um, aware that that person is a different person. It's not that they, you know, have to be like me. Right. And I think this is a big step for somebody like me. You know, there's another
0: stereotype about eights, that eights can be very bullying and that eights want to control people. And that's not true. Uh, eights don't want to be controlled. Would you agree with that statement?
1: Yeah, that's like, that's oh, that's probably my fear to be controlled. Right. Um, I never thought about it, but truly it's uh, probably my true fear to be controlled. Um, I'm usually in charge. I'm usually making my decisions and anything that comes from outside my decision i kind of like don't need i'm not agreeable i always challenge that opinion Mm -hmm. and again i thought always that maybe it comes from my education maybe it comes from cultural difference but apparently i'm just that kind of person that will challenge somebody else eights are very Um, challenging yeah they challenge and they do not want to be controlled
0: and they have an an energetic moral obligation to fight against injustice. Yes. And we're going to talk about Ukraine in just a second, as I keep saying, but um, I want to, before we get there, I want to talk to you a little bit about, and you've alluded to it, but I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, well, wait, I want to ask you another thing. You also really do not want to be betrayed. Is that another value that betrayal would be a real relationship stopper for you, would it
1: not? That is true. And that's when people become invisible to me. Mm-hmm. I, I don't wish them bad. I do not um, think about them. Like right. the betrayal for me, it's like a closed door. And suddenly that person just exists in a different dimension. We'll never meet, and if we meet, I'll say hello, but that's about all I can do at this point. You will never Um, give them any more of your energy. Exactly. Um, I have a very um, painful experience, which became painful only when I realized this about myself. Um, My half brother in Ukraine uh, was an alcoholic. He suffered a lot. But I didn't understand that it was suffering. I just thought that he just couldn't get his act together. He was a weak person. Um, I didn't understand. I was very young. I was 14 years old, uh, younger than him. Um, and at some point, I'm a very patient person, but at some point, I just decided that this behavior, this, like, not, not accepting my values, not accepting what the family needed, that was a betrayal for me. Like I didn't understand that it was a disease, so I treated it as a be, as a betrayal, and I locked him out of my life once and forever. Um, now when I look back at that, that is not probably the 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 right like I if I would be today back then, who I am today, probably I wouldn't make that decision. He wouldn't become invisible to me. It would become more of an underdog that I could w- want to help. Mm-hmm. But at that time in my life, I felt that that was a betrayal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never spoke um, after that. Um, and unfortunately, he died when he was 50 and I was in the United States. Um, so we didn't, we didn't really communicate. And that's kind of the regret um, that I have now.
0: Boy, that's so insightful and so clear in terms of the differentiation for an eight between uh, uh, deciding someone is weak versus someone being vulnerable.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, that is, that's, that's incredible. So it sounds to me like just the increased self-awareness about your eight uh, typology has really caused you to pause and think Um, And maybe make a few minor adjustments in how you uh, relate and approach the people you love and problem-solving and decision-making.
1: Is that true? Yeah, that is true. You know, like in, in our professional lives, they always teach us to look at our strengths and our weaknesses. So now I'm looking at this gut reaction of my not always a strength. It could be a strength, the strategic thinking, the um, doer mentality. It could be a strength, but sometimes it could be my weakness. And recognizing when it's a strength, when it's a weakness, I think that's that's a really, really big growth step for me. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, that's amazing.
0: Um, now I, you mentioned that you think your son is a sexual four, and I wanted to circle back around to you on that and talk for a second about subtypes. So um, as a practitioner, I believe that you are born with, your, with three um, instincts and survival instincts and that they are sequenced in a particular way and that the one that fires first is dominant, so we overuse it. The second one, our secondary one is the more balanced of the three and more regulatable by us. And then the third one is repressed. We actively push that away. And so in the ideal world, we're balanced on all three, but because we're not balanced, our dominant and our repressed one give us problems. So you know what your instinctual dominant sequence is, don't you? You are a...
1: Yeah, we determined that I'm Mm -hmm. self-preserving, social, and then sexual. Okay, self-preserving,
0: dominant, social, secondary, and sexual repressed. So Mm -hmm. what that means is you've got, and you're in the body type, which is where the instincts lie, so you've got really great instincts for... Uh, making things happen, for keeping yourself safe, for um, acquiring the resources you need. And then social, that secondary one, which is pretty balanced, gives you a bit of a larger worldview. You um, want to belong to groups. You, uh, you 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 get groups to hike. You go, attend groups if there's something you want to learn. Um you are uh, deeply, deeply committed to um, supporting Ukraine in this horrible uh, atrocity of a war that they're in right now. And then your sexual in, so uh, your sexual instinct, which is the instinct that has to do with intimate relationships, is the one that you're kind of pushing away. And what I've heard you say is that today, with what you know, for example, you would have done something differently with your brother. How about today with your husband and son? Do you see any shift in that, in terms of becoming aware that that is an instinct that you tend not to pay attention to?
1: I still see that, but now because I'm aware, right, of of even like that concept that maybe I'm shutting down some of my instincts, I am um, more proactive in trying to balance that instinct, right. trying to schedule time with my son and my husband, mm-hmm. trying to really start creating these one-on-one relationship. Mm-hmm. I think a while ago when, when I just came to our group, uh, Teresa, um, I told you like everybody likes these one-on-ones and I cannot stand one-on-one at work. I remember Uh, that very clearly. Yeah. And you told me you need to force yourself and schedule one-on-ones and actually start trying to make a connection with your stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And um, like, first it was very difficult, but once I started doing it, I kind of understood that, okay, I just need to force myself, even if it's uncomfortable to do that, to start bringing that habit a little bit to a better place.
0: Mm. You know, one of the things I love about 8s and I love all the types, but one of the things that I really love about 8s is when you guys buy into something, if someone makes a suggestion, you immediately go into action. And <laughs> I really appreciate that. As someone who occasionally suggests that somebody go into action, I love I love watching you do that. We've we've been at this typology thing together for a while and Recently, something happened, which, as I said, is the, the whole reason I've decided I I wanted to start a podcast, to have a, this conversation with you and share it with others. But I want you to tell me, um, if you don't mind, give me the whole story about what happened prior to the invasion by uh, Putin into Ukraine. Where were you?
1: What was happening right before that? So... I actually, like, I'm going to start way from December, Um, you know, the the pandemic being for two and a half years, and one of my primary kind of, like, goals and desires was to go to Ukraine and see my parents. Um, My mom was 87, my dad is 91 in December, he's 92 now, Um, and I came to Ukraine for whole months whole months I spent there um, with my parents, with my family. It was great time. Um, You know, when your parents are that old, every time you say goodbye, you kind of feel like you're saying goodbye forever. But I told my mom that I'll be back in May for her birthday. Um, And uh, February, like I came home in January and February 18th, my brother called me and said that my mom died. Mm So I had to go back to Ukraine. Um, by that time, in the United States, there were so much of information coming about uh, Russian troops getting lined up at the border. All the um, army uh, tech stuff le- getting um, lined up in the border in Belarus, Belarus, and in in Russia. Um, there were even when I was there in December, there were a lot of discussions about um, how we're going to handle the whole situation with. Russia so the army definitely was preparing a lot of people who were in the know were preparing but every time I would talk to just like regular people they would say no nothing's gonna happen it's it's just it's just a show it's just a show well Uh, when I was leaving, I did not think it was a show. I'm a strategic thinker. I knew that that kind of force cannot be brought to the border just for fun because it costs millions and millions and millions of dollars. So when I was going, I decided that no matter what, I'm still going to Ukraine, even though US embassy um, was constantly telling me not to go because I registered that I'm going and they're like, we can't even help you. We're not gonna save you, Um, you on your own i couldn't not to go and not to say goodbye to my mom so i flew to ukraine and my plan a was to um leave on spend a week there with my family and then leave to united states Um, when i came i kind of started to be even more nervous um and i was thinking okay maybe i need plan B and plan C. But even before leaving, I was thinking about all of that, all of that. I brought my huge battery to charge my phone. I brought cash. I didn't rely on Ukrainian banks. Um, so I was prepared as much as I could be prepared. I I brought very small luggage with me only necessity that at any time I could just grab my luggage and leave. And, We buried my mom on 22nd and on 23rd I was reading the news and watching the cyber attacks that started to happen and I talked to my friends and I said hey guys you all have to get prepared, you need to have at least a bag, you need to think of plan A, B, C, D, what you're gonna do if things like that happen. And the most important, you need to go and get money. Like, please go and get money today from your accounts. And they all were kind of a little ambivalent, almost hesitant. So um, I was up at uh, 5 a.m. texting to my husband, and he said, "Just listen to Putin's speech." And I listened to Putin's speech, and it was over at 4:55. Um, and at 5 a.m., I could hear, I could hear some sound. And if you've never heard bombing before, you don't even know what that is. Um, and I said to my husband, well, what's what's happening? I don't see anything, but something is happening. He said, your airport that you had to fly out for just has been hit with Russian bombs. So I immediately understood that I'm not flying out. Um, not in a week, not, not in a month. So, okay, then my, thought was okay this is the war I need to call everybody need to people let people know what's going on um so I started to call my friends my family um just saying that we just got bombed this is the start of the war uh and my family was like shocked I'm like guys we've talked about this so so long like you can't be in denial so long obviously when you get bombed you're not in denial anymore you're just a little bit in a shock um around I believe like at at this point i decided okay i'm gonna um, take a train i'm gonna take a train and i'm gonna go from kiev to warsaw on a train and um, then i'm gonna fly out from warsaw um maybe within a few hours everything started to unwrap so quickly at that moment maybe in a few hours i believe it was like maybe 8 8 30 a.m um, I was on the phone with my husband, still talking, and suddenly we've heard um, a, a sound like a thunder. And he said, I've heard this one. So he heard it on the phone, and I said, It can't be Kiev, it has to be close. And apparently, they started to bomb um, the airfield called Hostonil, just 1.5 miles away from my home. Mm. So at this point, I looked at the map. I realized that all the roads are pretty much blocked and I cannot make it to my train that is supposed to leave tomorrow. I'm like, I'm not even sure if what was going to happen tomorrow. And my thought truly was like Russian army just going to bulldoze over, um, you know, Ukraine. And uh, because um, the the whole war is based on such a lies um, and uh, some sort of anti-nazism um, and anti-nationalism anti, um, campaign, that because I'm not really a Ukraine a citizen of Ukraine, I'm American citizen. I was afraid that I could be an example of how the West, you know, taking over and brainwashing the Ukrainian people. Right. You were afraid that if,
0: if the Russians did get into where you were as an American citizen, you would be at great risk.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Makes sense. You are listening to the podcast, More Than Your Number, about the Enneagram and personal growth with Teresa McBean. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might appreciate Teresa's monthly webinar. You can find all upcoming webinars by going to her website at TeresaMcBean.com.
1: So with my family, we kind of discussed and we decided that I'm going to leave right now. And I started to call my friends. I posted on Facebook and um, asking if anybody moving somewhere towards Western borders of Ukraine. And my first idea was to get to United States Embassy in Lviv. Um, but it just happened to be that nobody was going that way. And there was a family that was going to the western border, but much north of Lviv. Um, and I I said, okay, that at least it's the right direction. I will get there, and then I will decide what I'm going to do there. So you um, didn't
0: have to have the perfect plan in order to act. You just needed a next step. And you knew that if that next step was moving you towards your goal... This was a good strategy, and you moved right into action. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, I also got a lot, like, for example, I posted that on Facebook, and I got, like, a lot of suggestions from people who actually in the Army. And the one thing they said, even if, if it's contrary to it, you go north towards the enemy, so when I finally met this family that was um, evacuating themselves, I, um, you know, the woman who was driving the car, she had a three years old and um, her husband and I were trying to convince her to go through the um that was just bombarded. And she was, was really north, afraid. Which was going north. So it was sort of like
0: going into the eye of this hurricane.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um, which she was very afraid, but we we were like insisting, like, listen, we're going to drive by that airfield only for 10 minutes. And then it's going to be just smooth sailing. And it was that way because we looked at the map and everybody was taking every other road by this one. So we kind of moved towards the, um, the aerodrome where they just bombed and there was Russian troops that were probably landing in that airfield. But I don't think at that point they were interested in, in bypassers in the car. They were probably had some sort of task they had to work on and take over the strategic um, kind of area. Mm-hmm. so that's that's how we started to move north and then west, and um we went every time you go through from one region they call it Oblast from one region to another, they check your documents they make sure that you are who you are so by the end of the day, we made it to the western Ukraine into a very small village where where they dropped me off at a hotel and uh, there was like <laughs> such a small hotel <laughs> and like a step back in, in time like 30 years back but you know it was good enough to have a cup of hot water and sleep for a night and then in the morning um, continue my journey. So I remember following you on Facebook
0: and I remember that once you kind of got to safety and you knew you were going to make it into Poland and then be able to consider uh, com- continue on to the United States, you had a very big emotion. Do you remember what that emotion
1: was? Yes. Uh, um, like my self preservation instant kicked in um, and it was so fast. I knew that I need to get out. I need to preserve my life. I need to just do it. Right. But once I got in the car and it was a long ride, it was more than like six, eight nine hours. I don't even remember, but it was a very long ride. And that's where it hit me that the whole situation is so unjust. And I started to struggle so much with this desire um, to go and back and fight. And Tell to- me more
0: about that desire
1: to fight. So it uh, it really was on a gut level, right? Um, it wasn't in the head. It wasn't in the heart. I wasn't thinking about my family or the kids that I left. I just felt like it's such an unfair, unfair situation, and the people who are invading Ukraine and the country that is invading Ukraine is so much bigger, right? Um, and it's first time since. 1969, when Soviet um, tanks went through Prague, that a democracy, a a democratic country being invaded, uh, it's just all in me were screaming that this is such an unjust situation that um, I needed to exert that energy. I needed to fight for, um, it's not even for, you know, I'm not even a citizen of Ukraine. It's against, it's against this, power right that is so evil right
0: i i love i love what you said there you said it's not just that you were fighting for ukraine but even more so at this gut level what you were you were outraged by the atrocity of this large country coming in and trying to wipe out a democracy yeah when you know for no good reason um, and you knew you knew who the enemy was and as an eight, you recognize it and you do not run from the truth of it and you knew he was evil and you knew he would be capable of any atrocity in order to achieve his goal is that is yeah. that
1: accurate yeah. yeah and it's an ego driven ego driven war
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's no explanation for it. Right. It's based on lies. It's based based on everything I stand against. Yeah. Yeah. really. So at that moment, your self-preservation
0: instinct was able to stand down a little bit because you had gotten yourself to safety. So now you could have access to your social instinct, which is all about belonging and groups of people. And it was pretty devastating for you and really hard for you to continue on your journey
1: to safety, wasn't it? Wasn't it hard to
0: to keep going?
1: It is, it was super hard. Um, First of all, like that, that God feeling that constantly was in me that this is so unfair, this is so unjust, but also now like my, my social instincts, my tribe was in danger. My family was in danger. Um, My dad, who's 92, Um, My brother, um, my nephews, my nieces, their kids, um, the generations of my family, literally like generations of my tribe could be wiped out in in a very, um, you know, fast manner. I am glad that Ukrainian army is so well prepared. Um, And be honest, when I realized that, that's when I started to feel a little bit better about everything. You could begin to breathe again. I could begin and breathe again because before that I didn't know how prepared they are. Yeah. Um, you know, I could judge only by, you know, conversations that I had with regular people who were in complete denial, who were hoping for the best. Right. Um, and I am super glad that it's not the case with American government and or with the Ukrainian government and Ukrainian um army. Right. They are not in denial. They not, know they, they were not against. in denial, they were prepared. And they were professional and they knew what they're gonna do.
0: Yeah. You know, um, tell me a little bit about the fact that your sexual instinct was completely offline. And under stress, we don't exactly automatically get access to that. What were you thinking about your intimate relationships in that moment? I wasn't. No, we're not. I <laughs> love your honesty. You you couldn't call them up, right? They exactly. were not in. They were not in your radar. You primary need was self preservation. Secondary need was social intimate relationships. Not going to be part of your radar. Nothing could be more clear description of the instincts than that, Elaine. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now that and you've gotten back home, was it hard to reconnect with your intimate relationships?
1: yes it was um it it's really it, it really was hard to um again meaningful relationship means that you actually can hear the person it's mm-hmm. very it was very difficult for me to hear an individual person interesting uh, it was here for me to hear about my husband needs or my son needs um it just was really hard to say that this is life and they live in this life and they live with you and you need to somehow change right now and think of them um, and they deserve as much of your attention, as much of your energy as everything else.
0: How long um, did it take you to sort of get reacclimated acclimated to being home and connected
1: with them? I think it actually didn't take as long as I thought it would, but I hiked a lot um, oh, I my. had to I had to really go um and and physically work off that anger, work off that um the feelings that I had. I had to really you know sweat it out, and I think that's the best that I discovered for myself that physical. Physical exercise, physical challenges do really help me. Um, and it let me calm my energy down to the point that I can actually, you know, pay attention to somebody else and not being in my head so much, in my gut so much.
0: I love that. Um, it seems to me that what you're saying is is that getting that sweat on, really moving your muscles, and I know you love hiking. So, I imagine you were hiking uh not the easy trails, but the really yes. difficult, challenging ones. It's like it enabled you to sort of be returned to your body and more present in your
1: body as well yes, yes, and to be honest, like I kind of like because I'm a body type. I feel a lot through my body yeah. like um, that that helps me to connect to my head that helps me to connect to my heart once I don't have that energy that is constantly in me. Um, so that was really good and I think like a couple of weeks for something like that to um, get back to normal is not a long time. I yeah. think it's, it's, it's good. Um, And what also helped that I started to volunteer, so I started to feel, and and I realized, okay, the Ukrainian army is prepared, the government is prepared, all the organizations in Ukraine, people, you know, got together, united, and they're fighting it. So I just need to be a part of it from afar.
0: Right. So now with a little calm you're embodied you've exercised you've reconnected with your son and your husband you're safe at home Ooh. you can now go to that secondary social instinct and you're like and bring that eight type which is strategic it's action oriented it goes it feels an obligation to go against injustice and that's what you're doing so tell us tell us a little bit about um Uh,
1: NOVA Ukraine. So NOVA Ukraine was organized a long time ago. I believe they exist from 2014. Um, I got involved with them like very on a very rare occasion. Like they were all about education, um, raising awareness about Ukraine as a very new country, only 30 years old. Um, they help people to maybe come and visit um, Silicon Valley, you know, get acquainted with the new innovations that are happening here. They supported a camp in Ukraine for um, girls who were in the STEM uh, field. So very, very peaceful actions, but, and there were like maybe 12 people in the board of that organization. From time to time, I would take something to Ukraine when I was going there, like T-shirts for the girls or maybe like some um, some aid. Um, they had to change really quickly with this, when you, with the war. They became um, a very a huge organization as a matter of fact like within a number of days they grew from 12 people to like 200 people of volunteers
0: wow
1: and um they already collected about 11 million dollars We have even some uh, billionaires that donated to our organization. We have all Silicon Valley companies, not all, but a huge list of Silicon Valley companies who donated or matched the donations. And now the most important thing is to put this money, these funds to work. And what we're doing is we're trying to find organizations, humanitarian, specifically humanitarian organizations who, who are helping either uh, people in Ukraine or refugees in other countries. Um, to really go through this horrible time in their lives. Um, There are some organizations that, um, you know, buying care mats and like yoga mats and um, sleeping bags and um, distributing them in the shelters because there are so many people just kind of on the floor and they maybe grab a little suitcase with uh, or, or, or backpack with a few sweaters and that's about it. Um, it's very cold in Ukraine, so having a sleeping bag and having a yoga mat for themselves in a shelter is already a big help. Also a lot of people end up with no food, so there are a lot of organizations that buying food, preparing food, and distributing in the shelters. There are a lot of people that moving from Kyiv and Kyiv region into other regions where there is no um, front. Um, Actions. So these people very often just come to the, um, you know, some some sort of humanitarian help and say, here I am, how can you help? And they have to help them find uh, where to live. They usually put them up with the family uh, for a while, then they try to find them um, some sort of um, lodging, maybe a room, maybe an apartment, and also they need to put them to work. Um, So, Novaya Ukraine supports any humanitarian help, a lot of medication. For example, one of the medication, I don't remember the name of it, but it's very um, common for people who were exposed to radiation. And because of the Chernobyl many, many years ago, there are still a lot of people that require that medication and probably will be generation that will continue to require that medication. So that's one thing that we can do, we can buy that medication in Europe, and we we can send it to our partners in Ukraine who are in a safe spot right now, and they will try to deliver it to all other towns and cities where it's it's needed. So um,
0: tell me how, in all this work you're doing, how you see
1: your eight being a superpower. Uh, be honest, like I'm looking at all these people and I, uh, they're all different numbers. And to me, they're all superheroes. They have regular jobs and they're all contributing to this cause. And they're on the phone at night, they're on the phone early morning, they're trying to organize these huge shipments of, um, you know, for example, um, any kind of aid, medical or just goods um, with in in a huge um, quantities. Right. You, you can't even imagine. We have planes that we're sending to Ukraine with, um, with medication, or um, we're, we're trying to get, and none of us worked in the medical area, right? Or not many of us even worked in logistics, right? Maybe one or two experts, but like I look at them and it's amazing how they all stepped up. Eight um, is good um, at not burning out. We can work long hours. We can work long weeks. Um, Right now, there is a big concern that people are emotionally drained. And I do feel that drain, which is very, uh, very unusual feeling for me because I start my morning by calling everybody I know and making sure that they are alive. Uh, People who are out of danger i don't really call them anymore i'm like okay you're out of danger you're out of my radar um but um and then i start you know like looking at the requests that coming in for help starting to do the background check uh, understanding what this what this organization or this person is asking about uh where that all will go and then um a lot of uh, volunteers they kind of can handle two three weeks and they're emotionally so drained um that they can't continue aids are good because they continue and continue and continue and i feel like this is one good thing about me plus i already learned not to overwork so i know when to stop so I could be useful next day Mm -hmm. Um, but we can go for for a while for a very long time juggling different things and switching from one content to another the more on your to-do list the more the satisfaction for checking it off and it's done and it's done and it's done in the end of the day you have the satisfaction so you you kind of have this feeling of this this is done
0: fantastic
1: um you know what
0: i well you know what i love there is two things i love the fact that you know you have the capacity for the energy but you have the wisdom to know how to pace yourself, which is really pretty high level of awareness for an eight. And so that's amazing. so that's that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. yeah. A lot of people call me and they' like, "I've been crying whole day. One thing, eight, I don't know, maybe it's me, but I don't think we're crying. I mean, it, it's very difficult. As a matter of fact, sometimes I want to cry. I just I just don't cry. Like I wish I could just sit down and process my mom's death and and grieve for my country but I just it's that's one thing that is extremely difficult for me to do. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's really a challenge especially when all your resources that you're putting into action right now are so necessary. It's really hard to imagine taking energy away from that to go down into heart space and, and feel your grief. I imagine yeah. that your body says, we'll do that later. Yeah. When when, yeah. when, when we get Putin out of here, uh, I will do that later. But for now I need to get medicine. I need to get food. I need to get blankets to people who are hungry and cold and sick. Is that the way
1: you're thinking about it? exactly it's exactly what i'm thinking about and be honest like maybe i'll never be able to cry i just also made kind of a peace with that mm-hmm. um i don't think that i'm cold-hearted anymore i just understand that that's my eight. maybe that's a blessing maybe it's a curse but this is what it is right now and instead of beating myself up that I'm so cold hearted, I can't even cry about my country, about my you know relatives and kids that are getting um, killed in Ukraine. I'm just like, okay, this is what it is. This is who I am. If I don't cry, then maybe I will never cry. Or Maybe I'll cry when it's getting better. But for now, just focusing on what's in front of me and what I can do about it.
0: Yelena, is it possible for you as an eight to accept the fact that you're making a difference, I know you. Um, I know you want to make a big difference, uh, and I know you'd like it to be done in a very um, action-oriented way. But with this humanitarian aid that you're participating in, can you appreciate what a wonderful thing you're doing? <laughs> I
1: think I can <laughs> now, when you mention it, I think I can, right. but um no, I don't feel that I make a difference. I do feel that we make a difference. I oh my do gosh, feel I that, that yeah, I don't do feel that all these people that really united together against the same. Enemy. I'm making a difference, and just being part of that is satisfying enough for me right now.
0: I love that. You know, you raise a really great point, um, because you're really tapping into that social instinct, and uh, which is your secondary instinct, as we've said, and um, that is an that that's just incredible. It's it's incredible for an eight to appreciate the we of the process.
1: Because you
0: guys uh, very often are running ahead of the rest, you're 10 steps ahead of the rest of us and moving at lightning speed. And um, I just appreciate so much uh, watching you um, change the world and do it in a way that is reflective of... um, your personhood, not just your personality, because your personhood—you know—in the personhood for an eight, your uh, virtuous capacity is for truth, to know and see truth, and to be able to live just in the moment and do just what the moment needs. And I just see you doing that in Spades, Yelena. and it just—it's just incredible to watch, and I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. I truly believe that all you see today is like the work that we have done for years. For me, like literally years. I I think I met you just at the beginning of pandemic.
0: Mm, Yeah, yeah. I love that. And um, we're going to make sure that we put NovaUkraine.org down in the notes. But I want to spell it out because this is the organization that my family and community is giving to on a regular basis. It's NOVA Ukraine, and I'll tell you why I give to this organization. I give to this organization because an eight told me to, and you can trust eights. Um, you can trust eights to know that they have chosen an organization that is, uh, has integrity and that is honest, and they wouldn't participate if it wasn't. So if you would like to join us in supporting NOVA Ukraine, it's N-O-V-A. Ukraine.org. That's nova ukraine.org. And uh, Yelena's contact information is also going to be down below um, in case you'd like to get in touch with her. But um, just remember that Nova Ukraine is um, a registered nonprofit organization and they are dedicated solely to providing humanitarian aid to Ukraine raising awareness about Ukraine and the United States and the rest of the world. And uh, how wonderful is this, that in spite of all the evil that's being brought upon Ukraine, there have been people who for years have been preparing to defend the light and uh, refuse to give in to the darkness. Um, one more thing before you go. Uh, what do you think about Yelensky as president of Ukraine? Tell me about, from your experience, what you've learned about
1: him. So it's, it's very interesting because, obviously, I knew him as a comedian. Mm-hmm. And I watched his uh, TV series, um, Servant of the People. And I found it really, really funny. And I do suggest all Americans to watch it. It's really, like, really Great, funny insight into um, Ukrainian politics, which is not everything is sunny in in Ukraine, you know, not everything is sunny in the United States either. We do have our problems, obviously, especially with politicians and on on the level of um, government, the same in Ukraine. Um, So when he was, he came to power, it was a democratic, um, first of all, it was a democratic election. People actually selected him either because he was actor or he was known or they had their reasons. When he came to power, he couldn't really do much. The machine, the government machine was broken and to fix it, it would take somebody more with more skill than what he had. Mm So um, his ratings were kind of low because of he didn't have the professional expertise that he needed to run a country that's still, you know, like working with corruption, still wants to be a part of the European Union, but cannot hold on to all the requirements of the European Union. Wants to be in NATO, but again, cannot hit every checkpoint that NATO uh, put in front of them. But this war changed everything. Maybe he is not uh, a professional uh, politician. He was a comic, he was a businessman, but he actually showed himself as absolutely new person, loyal, dedicated true um, servant of the people, not giving in on his um, values, not, not giving up on his values, um, being very truthful, outspoken um, and speaking for his tribe. He had a chance to leave, he didn't leave, he didn't evacuate his family, right? right? He is there with his people and he treats the whole country as his tribe. I don't know his Enneagram number, Um, But the way he was, he was able to unite people around himself, he wasn't hiding, he's always in the um, very visible, he visits all the, um, you know, very hot spots. Um, He hasn't slept probably for a very long time. He doesn't care how he looks. He doesn't care how he dresses. But what he cares about is about his tribe, about his people, about his country. And I think um, this event kind of brought him, like showed him an absolutely different light. Absolutely different light. And I do believe that, uh, that he stands for the right things. He stands for the same values I do.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. It's incredible through the course of history, uh, what events like these can do to show us the, the absolute depths of evil, but also the capacity for good. Yes. And, um, yes. you know, all of us that want to stand for the underdog, uh, want to support uh, a fr- free nations and people that get to vote for their leaders, We're going to have to do a lot of work in order to be the kind of people that can stand up under the pressure of corruption and uh, cruelty and wanton self-interest. And um, Elena, I consider you one of those women that is doing all those things. And I admire you tremendously. And I just thank you for being you.
1: Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> thank you. It, it's, it's, I think it's the best compliment when, when you accept who you are and you just think, okay, I am who I am. And it, it feels good when somebody says, I accept you for who you are and thank you for being you.
0: Oh, well, I tell you, you are easy to accept. <laughs> and um, I really appreciate all you're doing for Ukraine. Um, and for the rest of the world to give us an avenue, even if it's just given money, uh, which seems like a really small thing, but er, continuing to educate us and to give us ways that we can take action no matter how small to support this effort because... The whole world needs to stand up against such darkness and
1: uh, I I 100% agree 100% agree, and and I feel that this event really united not only Ukrainian people, but all people around the world who are sick of of injustice, who are sick of evil, and I feel like maybe we need to realize that our idea of success. Should be revised. Because maybe not the the most successful people shouldn't be people who make the most money, but maybe people who contribute to their societies, maybe people who actually can give um, more um, warmth, love, understanding to all of us, because all of us at the end of the day do need it, and. For me, it's a big shift as well. Obviously, when I just immigrated from the United States, all I wanted to be, you know, super big boss in a big company, um, just like my career was everything for me. And now I'm realizing that maybe the definition of success needs to be revised. We need more people who can stand for the democratic values, for human values. Yeah. Uh, for humanity and not only be the innovation the you know the first in class the best in class
0: you know innovation new systems and all that is very much a head type thing and i think what we're learning is what good is the head without the body and the heart exactly because um i don't know i'm with you girl i am I am sick of the loudest voice being in the room, being the meanest voice in the room. Yeah. I'm sick of it. And uh, I appreciate uh, you adding your voice. uh, That's singing a completely different tune. So thank you so much for this. Elaine. I appreciate it. And uh, you guys. uh, Thanks for listening to us. We really appreciate you uh, sharing the conversation with us. Remember to like us on. However you do that on podcast. I don't know. And um, subscribe and uh, stay tuned. We're going to be having more interesting conversations like this. But I doubt, Yelena, that we'll ever have a conversation that is more important than this one. So thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Keep up the good fight. Thank you for listening to the podcast, More Than Your Number, about the Enneagram and personal growth with Teresa McBean. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might want to check out more of what Teresa has to offer. Go to her website, TeresaMcBean.com, and be sure to sign up for the newsletter to get all the latest offerings and sometimes even a discount.